0: Good morning, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving, but no, we've already had that, okay? I mean, you can only be so thankful, and, and okay, but Christmas is coming, and uh, that's really exciting. My name is Terry Cadwell, by the way. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> pastor of Connect Groups. I keep forgetting who I am. We changed life groups to Connect Groups. At first, I thought I was unemployed. And then, and then I was told, no, I was still employed. It's just my, my title has changed. So I'm Terry Cadwell, pastor of Connect Groups. And I so love it. First of all, I love a lot of things about being here. I love being at Lake Hills. Uh, This is, um, in your vision is the vision that I've carried around with me for decades. And, and it's so nice to be a part of a church that's trying to do the same thing I've been trying to do for my whole life. And, and it's, it's, even, it's even more exciting to be working under the umbrella of a pastor like Mac and, and his wife, Julie, because they believe the same thing I do. And so I'm always grateful whenever Mac says, hey Terry, would you preach for me? And you know what? If I ever say no, it's because I didn't hear the question. Okay, I mean, I love being up here and I appreciate so much Mac letting me be here. Now, I have a question for you. What if someone that you trusted came up to you and said, God told me to tell you it's going to get better? Now, I've I've never had that happen to me. Patsy has. And I think back, I can't remember if it did or not. But somebody did come up to Patsy and say, God told me to tell you it's going to get better. Now what if someone did that to you? What if during a good time, someone came up to you and said, God told me to tell you it's going to get even better? Or what if you're, the time, the season of life you're going through is not one of those good seasons and someone came up to you and said, God told me to tell you, don't worry. It's going to get better. Now, this is our last week of the series on John the Baptist called Wild. And the series on John the Baptist is to prepare us, to help us to get ready for Christmas. And we officially kick it off next Sunday with Believe. So I do hope that you'll take those, those invite cards and you will have somebody here. You know that song we sang a while ago? I Believe. That's what we believe. And I hope you have somebody who's going to be here to so that they know, so that they take that message and, and enter the Christmas season knowing that. Today, though, We're going to continue the John the Baptist story by starting it all over again. And the reason we're going back to the beginning of the John the Baptist story is because the story of John the Baptist is also a story of how you and I can know whether or not it really is going to get better. So let's pray. Lord God, Father, as I come before you, Lord, I just want to remind you, this is about you. This is not about me. And God, I just ask you that you would so fill me with your spirit that there's nothing about you that needs to be said that I leave out. And God, I ask you, God, that you would enable us to to understand things that are really too hard to understand. But that by your spirit you will open up our eyes to see the truth. And God, that then by your grace you would give us, give us the ability to respond to that truth. God, I ask you all of this in Jesus' holy, awesome name. Amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, you have an iPhone or, or something else, turn to Luke chapter one. You now, I often hear people lament about the godlessness of the world we live in. And and granted, there is a lot of godlessness to lament. But if somebody from the first century were able to come to our century, say, in a time machine, and they were to come from the first century to our century, they would think they had died and were halfway, halfway to heaven already. You know, we, we see pictures and we see videos of, of the third world. But in the first century, much of the world was the third world. It was a world of violence. It was a world of brutality. And there was a complete disregard for human life. Now, in the Roman-controlled areas of the world, there was order but it was enforced by one of the most brutal regimes in the history of the world. And in addition to all of the brutality and and the violence and the disregard for human life, there was also a debauchery. In fact, the the debauchery of the first century world would make even some Hollywood scriptwriters uncomfortable. Now, the primary reason the violence and the wickedness of the first century was that spiritually speaking, it was a world that was completely blind to the truth about God. And God's chosen people, the Jewish people, who, who were chosen to reveal the truth about God, they had lost their way. And they were wandering around in spiritual darkness just like the rest of the world. But... It was going to get better. Now, there were a few exceptions to this spiritual darkness. And one of those exceptions was an old couple who lived in the hill country of Judea, which today would be the central part of Israel. Zechariah was a Jewish priest. And although much of the priesthood had been corrupted, Zechariah had not He had sincerely and faithfully practiced his Jewish faith, hoping that God would someday reward him. And so did his wife, Elizabeth. But so far, their faithfulness had not been rewarded. When they were newlyweds, like every ancient newly married couple, They waited expectantly for for what every ancient young couple waited for, children. In fact, I don't doubt that every single day, Zechariah and Elizabeth asked God to send them children. But the children didn't come. And as the years went by, their neighbors began to gossip. And they whispered. Whose sin is keeping Elizabeth from getting pregnant? And somebody in the little gossiping group would say, well, I'm sure it's Elizabeth, Zechariah. He's a really nice guy. And then there were other people that would say, no, I've met Elizabeth. She wouldn't have done anything. must be Zechariah. And on and on the rumors spread. How long do you think that Zechariah and Elizabeth had to live with their grief. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And not just the grief of not having children, but living with the gossip and all of the accusing looks from their neighbors. Now, Zechariah, he could have divorced Elizabeth, but he didn't. And Elizabeth, she could have abandoned her faith and become a bitter old woman but she didn't, they both remained faithful all through these years and the whole time, they didn't know it, but it was going to get better. And then one day, Zechariah was presented with an unexpected and incredible opportunity. Look in Luke chapter one, beginning in verse eight. Luke one, eight. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. Now, his order, the the Jewish priests, they were divided up into orders. And in Zechariah's particular order, there were probably about 350 priests. As, As was the custom, in verse nine, as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense, Now, to burn incense in the temple's holy place was the most honored of all priestly duties. But there were probably 18,000 priests at the time of Zechariah. So to be chosen to burn incense. Was, was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Not just once-in-a-lifetime, because there were many priests who never had that opportunity. So Zechariah, he stood in a circle of about anywhere from four to eight priests, and he, all, they were all facing outward, and standing in the middle of this little circle of priests was the high priest, and the high priest would hold a number of fingers behind his back, and while he was doing that, a temple officer would walk around the circle counting one, two. And when he got to the, when he got to the person that corresponded with the number of fingers that the, that the high priest was holding behind his back, then the high priest would shout, stop. And guess who he, the temple officer was standing in front of? Zechariah. Well, Zechariah was, was thrilled out of his mind. If he had had a cell phone, he would have sent Elizabeth a dozen Hebrew emojis. And, and, and you know what, though? Zechariah didn't know it. As thrilled as he was with this whole thing, he didn't know it. But it was going to get even better. Was well, Zechariah... stood stood at the foot of the the steps leading up to the temple's holy place. He was probably a little bit nervous. He needed to get this right. And then when the ram's horn sounded, Zechariah started up the steps and went through the outer veil into the temple's holy place, right in front of the incense altar. And then, when the second ram's horn sounded, Zechariah took a bowl of, or, or a tray of, of incense and he poured it over the hot coals of the incense altar. And then he began to recite a prayer. Now, it was a prayer that had been scripted many years before based on a promise that God had made through. The prophet Isaiah. 700 years before Christ. Okay, I'm going to go back here. 700 years before Christ. 700 years before Christ. God said through Zechariah. Listen well you royal family of David. So he's speaking to the descendants of David. And he says the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I have to confess, I can't get my mind around that. I've been trying for 50-something years that the creator God would become God with. With us as a 19-inch old baby, a 19-inch long baby. I can't I can't get my mind around that. Now, from that prophecy and promise came a prayer that Zechariah was about to pray. Now I want to put that up on the board, okay? And I want you to look at this, look at this prayer. We're going to say this together, okay? But I want, you to, I want to call your attention to two words that we don't normally use. One is the word Yahweh. And whether or not you put the h in there, that's completely up to you. But Yahweh was the personal name for the creator God. The God who made the heavens and earth. The God who, who led Moses and the Israelites across the Red Sea. The God of the Bible, his personal name is Yahweh. And another word I want to call your attention to is the word horn. Now, that has nothing to do with the University of Texas, okay? The word horn was a symbol of victory and and a symbol of power and, and a symbol of strength. Okay, so as we say that prayer, okay, in just a second that was scripted hundreds of years before Zechariah prayed it, as we pray that prayer, I want you to to put yourself in Zechariah's shoes. This is beyond a doubt the best day of your life. Okay, so are you ready? Okay, best day of your, in your best day of your life voices, let's say that prayer together. You ready? Here we go. Speedily make to shoot forth. Okay, hold a second. Okay, if that's the best day of your life, voice, then let's go to the worst day of your life. Okay, and to help you, let's say everybody stand up. Zechariah was standing up. He was in, right in front of his incense altar. He was about to, to say a prayer that had been said hundreds, if not thousands of times before him by other priests who were standing in exactly the same place. So you are Zechariah, it's the best day of your life. Are you ready? Now this time, let's do it right, ready? Speedily make to shoot forth the branch of David, your servant, exalt the horn of your salvation, for in your salvation we trust all the day long. Blessed are you, Yahweh who causes to spring forth the horn of salvation. Much better, good shot, I like the way you did that. Now, Zechariah, he had probably just finished this prayer when suddenly, within arm's length, standing just to the right of the altar, now that's to the right of the altar for Zechariah, that's gonna be to the left for you, but within arm's length, right there, is an angel. Now, folks, you need to understand, Zechariah had never seen anyone beam down from the Starship Enterprise, okay? And there he is. And and not only had Zechariah never seen an angel, the angel that Zechariah was standing in front of was not one of those cute little cupids that you and I see on Valentine's Day cards. Okay, he was big. He was magnificent. He radiated power. And he absolutely scared the liver out of Zechariah. In Luke chapter one, verse twelve and thirteen, it says Zechariah was shaken. You got that? He is shaking, and he's overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. My word, folks! He's standing right there, two feet away. Right there is this magnificent creature. It says, but the angel said, "Don't be afraid." Okay, literally, it's, stop being afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Hold it a second. God has heard your prayer. Which prayer? The prayer that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth had, had been praying for decades. The one that they had stopped praying probably because they were too old to have kids. Or was he talking about the scripted scripted prayer that Zechariah had just prayed? The, the, The prayer that Jewish priests had been praying for possibly centuries. The one that was based on that promise God had sent through the prophet Isaiah. So which prayer? Well then the angel added something that was prophesied by the last Old Testament prophet, Malachi. So we're gonna step back in time 400 years to the last of the Old Testament prophets, Malachi. And the reason we're going back there is because the prophet Malachi, he, proph- he, 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 uh, he prophesied that God would send a special messenger who would announce the coming of Israel's Messiah, the one that Isaiah had talked about. Malachi said, I'm going to send a messenger ahead of him. Now, look what Malachi says in Malachi chapter four, five, and six. He says, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, the prophet Elijah was probably the most famous of Israel's prophets. He said, I'm gonna send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, compare Malachi's words with what the angel then tells Zechariah in Luke chapter one. He says, your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son and you are to name him John, John the Baptist. Now we're going on, jump to verse 17. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. The angel says, Zechariah, the one who is coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah to announce the coming of your Savior, your Messiah, is to be the son that you and Elizabeth prayed for all of those years when you thought God wasn't listening. Now let's go on, look in verse 23, Luke chapter one, 23. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and then look what she says. She says, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. He's taken away my disgrace. Decades of grief and gossip and all of these accusing stares We're suddenly going to be eclipsed with the birth of a miracle baby. But Elizabeth, it's going to get even better. It's going to get even better. Let's jump to Luke chapter one, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. Now, we're going to jump to verse 67. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent, a, sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised. And then he looks into the face of his little son, and he says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. Zechariah's and Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, is going to be the one who will introduce Jesus to the whole world. Now I want to go back to that question. Which prayer was the angel talking about? When the angel said, your prayer has been heard, was he talking about the prayer that Zechariah and Elizabeth had had prayed for decades, asking God to give them a child? Or was he talking about the scripted prayer that Zechariah had prayed when he poured incense on that incense altar. The one that countless numbers of Jewish priests had prayed before Zechariah that was based on the promises of God to send a Messiah. Now I'm asking you, which prayer? Somebody tell me. Both, good shot, both, both. Folks, who but God could do that? Who but God could... I'm sorry, y'all, I'm getting allergies all of a sudden. Who but God could connect a 400-year-old promise with an old priest and his wife 400 years later? And who but God could connect both of them with a 750-year-old promise from God? God that he would visit planet Earth as a baby born to a virgin. But that's exactly what God did. For 750 years, Israel the people God chose to reveal who he was to the world. They languished in spiritual darkness, a darkness that even the prophets couldn't penetrate. But God knew it was going to get better. And then for 400 years, they were ruled by hostile nations and they didn't even have the prophets To remind them that they were God's people. But God knew. It was going to get better. And then for decades. Zechariah and Elizabeth grieved over their childlessness. While their neighbors gossiped about them. But God knew. It was going to get better. Now, let's jump forward 2,000 years today. Today. Is it going to get better for us? Well, maybe. Maybe it is. Now, if you are a Christ follower, I don't know when, but I do know it's going to get better. If your life is good right now, it's going to get even better. How do I know that? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So no matter how good it is, if you are a Christ follower, it's going to get better. Now, what if you're a Christ follower and life is tough right now? It's going to get better. Now, how do I know it's going to get better? Because the same God who 400 years before Jesus promised that he would send a messenger who would announce the coming of the Messiah. And he fulfilled that promise to an old childless couple 400 years later. That same God promised in Romans chapter eight, verse 28, that he will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God who are called according to his purpose. So I want to go back to that maybe. Is life going to get better for us? You see, we do have a role to play if it's going to get better. Romans 8 says that it will get better if like Zechariah and Elizabeth, we are called according to God's purpose. And if you are a Christ follower, Ephesians chapter 2 says, yes, you were called according to God's purposes. But then both Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians add another qualifier. And both of them say to those who love God, it's going to get better for Christ followers if we love God. God. Now love here should probably be understood in its Old Testament sense in which love has more to do with choice than it does with our feelings. And isn't that what Zechariah and Elizabeth did? They chose God. They chose to be faithful regardless of what life threw at them and for how long it threw at them. It it threw grief at them. They chose to be faithful. So using the New Testament And the example of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can say with confidence, it is going to get better for Christ followers who choose God and who keep choosing God regardless of whether life is good or whether it's bad, whether it's boring or whether it's exciting. They keep choosing God. You see, folks, if we choose God, And if we keep choosing God, it really is going to get better. Will you bow your heads, please? In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose God. Nobody but you and God know whether your life is good or bad. Well, there may be some people that know, but, but for sure you and God know. Know if it's boring or exciting, you and God know. And I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you're a Christ follower, to just say, God, I choose you. Right now, I just want you to know that I choose you. God, give me the grace to keep choosing you. Now, if you are not yet a Christ follower, I want to give you an opportunity to choose God as well. Because you see, if you choose Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for all your sin, who, as a song we sang a while ago, was raised from the dead and he defeated death. If you choose Jesus to be your Lord, then I promise you it's going to get better. So for those of you who are already Christ followers, just under your breath, you just decide, are you gonna choose God at this moment and this time? And ask Him to keep giving you the grace to choose God? Is that something you want to do? Then do it. If you're not a Christ follower, but you're here at Lake Hills Church, and you've just been told that Jesus Christ, who was promised by God 750 years before Jesus was born, to come to this world to be your Savior. To take your sins to the cross. You were just told that. And as we sang a while ago. He rose from the grave and he conquered death. If you want him to be your Lord. The boss of your life. Then just under your breath. Not just in your mind. But whisper it under your breath. And just ask Jesus Christ. To come into your life. And be your Lord. Do that right now. Just right now. Just say, Jesus Christ, forgive me for my sin and come into my life and be my Lord. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Now, while everybody's heads bowed, if you just prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord going to ask you to do two things. First of all, take that, that, uh, uh, that program that you had when you came in and in there, there's a connect card and just fill out your contact information. Please fill it out so we can read it, especially so I can read it because I'm going to contact you. I'm just going to contact you and say, congratulations. And, and so fill out the, the connect card and put, put your contact and name and contact information. And then down there, where it says, I committed my life to Christ this week. Just check that box. That's it. And maybe you're not ready to make that commitment, to, but you'd like to talk some more about it. Then fill that out and check that little box that says, I want more information about becoming a Christ follower. And I'll call you and we'll have a conversation probably right here at church, one, one of these Sunday mornings, 10 or 15 minutes. And we'll just have a conversation. So that's the first thing I want you to, I'm i asking you to do. If you just pray that prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. The second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hands? We have kind of a tradition around here. Just raise your hand. This is kind of telling God, God, I'm serious. But it's also marking this time in your life as the precise time that you ask Jesus to be your Lord. Just raise your hand just a second. Now we have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church that when you put your hand down, we put our hands together.